0: Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. And John and I are back with you. This is the second broadcast of the preseason. Last week, we previewed the Media Day extravaganza. And then uh, we obviously had an open practice on Friday night. So everybody got a chance to glimpse the players and what they've been working on. Some new people like Al Horford and Jalen Brown. And then also was able to see a much improved... Jump shot from Marcus Smart, who went three for five in the green-white scrimmage from beyond the arc. And Terry Rozier continuing to build off the confidence he built in the postseason Mm -hmm. against Atlanta, took into summer league. And Mm -hmm. Danny Ainge, during an interview during the broadcast on Comcast Sportsnet New England of the scrimmage, also echoing some love for Terry Rozier. So, despite a minor gaffe in the off-season, I think the biggest topic John really going is how much talent this Celtics team has in the backcourt.
1: It yeah, I mean we're we're uh <laughs> this is like a super this is gonna be for, for those who are tuning in, this is gonna be a, a vintage nineteen ninety Bill Swirsky Superfans edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Because uh, you know, this is gonna be, you know, if we had if we had fifty mini dickas and one Marcus Smart, how many different planets could we uh c- capture? That's basically what our show is gonna <laughs> be today. Because there's Paul a lot of, of love. <laughs> Tad, Tad had another heart attack. Um, <laughs> You're actually
0: doing an amazing uh, impersonation of that. Sorry, live skit. I have Thank to you. commend you. You're Thank what is it, the Swirsky brothers or something Swirsky, like yeah.
1: that? Bill Swirsky, super fans, absolutely. Yeah, super
0: fans. Right,
1: my brother Tad. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love Saturday Night Live, and especially that era. But anyway, I, I, they're they're coming to listen to the Celtics, but. But there's a lot of love here. We were talking about this, playing the show. What are we going to talk about tonight? What, you know, what are we going to do? Man, that you know, I think certainly coming into it and coming off of our show last week, you were talking, you know, I, and and obviously coming off of the whole summer last spring, really in Jalen Brown's corner. All right, I I've got a bit of a man crush on on Terry Rosier. T. Rose is that guy is going to be something? I think he's a player. I think uh, we all and I was as hard on that pick as anybody. I'm going to. I'll say it every time. But wow, man, that guy! The boy's got game. He's got game. And uh, they you know, all they've got to find a way to get him get him a consistent spot. Will they give him the minutes and and the ball handling duties that Evan Turner had or not? And let Smart play off the ball, as it seems like that's kind of the early thought process going in that would be great i'm just i'm hoping that they preserve enough minutes for him because i really think he could be something more than any of us have have even considered
0: well let's first say that also injuries have a way of sorting this all out for us and i'm not trying to put the boogeyman on the team but when was the last time the celtics made it through the season? without some injuries in the backcourt remember Marcus smart missing some time last year and good on him because he was able to stay healthy all summer and work on that jump shot but the other thing I'll say is one of Jalen Brown's obvious comforts coming into the league is his ability to handle the ball you know that he's probably going to do the most amount of damage in transition and so Anytime he's out on the floor, the great thing about this team is there's defense, so they're going to be able to generate some easy buckets, and I think that's where Jalen Brown's going to see the bulk of his contributions, but the fact that he's also a ball handler and very comfortable handling the ball is going to make it a little bit of a battle for those Evan Turner minutes, but like I said... Injuries tend to play that stuff out. I think the other unique thing with the players in the backcourt with the Celtics is every single one of these guys can work on or off the ball, and they're interchangeable together. Uh, Only Avery Bradley has a little bit of a drop-off, I would say. We we saw the experiment back in the day of him uh, being a little bit more of the ball handler, but it's not that he can't initiate the offense. He's just not quite as good at it as Thomas and Smart and Rozier. But, and Horford. And, and, and Horford. At, and but See, that's where it makes... And Zeller. And, Zeller. <laughs> Come on, <Aaron> Ava. <laughs> Get out of here with the Zeller. Listen, I'm just
1: saying, it's not his strength, but he can do it. Absolutely.
0: All right, Sorry. well, that, that's all fine. You're right. The <laughs> offense is going to be read and react. There's going to be a lot of people initiating the offense. But this guard combination can throw a lot of different looks at a defense because the ball-handling duties can move from play to play. It's not a substitution pattern. It's what exists on the court. And to your point, the big men can move the ball and and initiate the offense too, especially Al Horford. But I just think that that backcourt gives them so much versatility that way.
1: Well, and and that's the – you're right. You're absolutely right about I mean, there's always the conversation – Who's the best backcourt in the league? You know, well, is it is it Washington? Who hate each other? Is it Golden State? Yes. Uh, so, you know, there's all You always hear that. Who's the deepest backcourt? I, I don't think there's any question. It's in Boston. There's, I don't think that you can even debate it. Um, there's there's just so much. Toronto's got a good depth there. With you know, but I don't think you can compete with what Boston has. Certainly one through five. I think there are, I think there are teams that would give Demetrius Jackson minutes this year, you know. I think that that's you know where the league is, and the Celtics are are they're chalk a block full there. The question, of course, has been how can they can they get guys who can play on the wing, uh, who can fill it up, who can you know kind of help to off off bat, you know kind of balance that out a bit. And, and of course, that's been the challenge. Um, there was a tweet last night, Steve Kyler from uh, Basketball Insiders. I think it's where his then the, where he's at right now, and uh, saying that you know, someone said, "Well, how about uh, smart and filler for Noah?" And he's like, "Boston's moved on." So you know, wow. I think they still want to improve the front court. I think unless it's a big deal, they're not tinkering with what they've got right now. They feel pretty good about about their direction.
0: They should, I, and they I, should stay young should. too. I'm I'm not so sure that this is similar to the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen era, where it was, let's take these chips and trade them in. They have a coach who's willing to develop players. It's not going to be easy to take players from other organizations and integrate them into the Celtics culture, that selflessness. You look like somebody like Rozier, he knows he deserves some minutes, and he's going to keep pushing for those minutes, but... I think where this team first attitude comes into play, it's much easier for them to develop players into that and then the egos stay in check than it is to bring somebody in. Al Horford is a very, um, it's a one-off. There's just not a lot of Al Horfords that are going to come in and be able to take what they've done in the league, and then just say, okay, team first, that easy. I mean, we we definitely have seen a lot of quotes after Kevin Garnett's retirement announcement that have said that he had that attitude right away. I know the interview you and I talked about right before we went on the air with Kendrick Perkins, uh, has you know that was a discussion. Then there's some, some really cool stuff about his relationship with Brian Dew. But it was the, listen, Ray Allen's your scorer. Paul Pierce is your scorer, and he was telling the other forwards and centers, your job is to rebound. That's it. Just get the rebounds. Do the things that make the team win. And you're just not going to get a lot of players in the league like that. You're much better off developing them and drafting them yourselves. And I think this team is good enough that they now have that ability to stay level. And I think they should just make the Brooklyn picks and let the roster play out. And they should try to hold on to these guards as long as they can. I,
1: I Well, I, I think you're right. I think that you look at, at what's out there. I mean, to me, that's where I'm looking at. Would I rather be better now rather than whatever risk there is that that player won't develop into something? Yeah, I would rather have a sure thing now rather than, you know, the potential of the, the proverbial two in the bush. And I'm talking about two birds in the bush. It's um, not Larry, so we've got a we've got a thing here where you know you hope that Jalen Brown's going to turn into something. You hope Terry Rozier is going to turn into something. You hope Marcus Smart can add some things to his offense to to off, to, to add to the defense and become really a, a, an All Star caliber player. The problem is, is that you know those are that's all hope, and and I you know I'm perfectly content to build that way, but only if there isn't a move available. And I think that's the issue right now is teams are looking at the the current CBA and and the situation they're in. And it's very difficult to get better by trading away picks. I mean, you can't, there's no advantage to the, you know, the old, uh, you know, really the way that Carmelo uh, leveraged his way out of, out of Denver. You know, you can't do that anymore. You can't, you can't get that suite of contract that way. So, it's very hard to move players from, from team to team. And they, you know I think also the fact that people are looking at what Golden State's doing, and they're saying, well, why risk it? Why should we even try that? Let's just try to win some games. Plus, there were so many teams that were, I think, tanking uh, or trying to tank here over the last few years that I think now they've got to win some games. So it's a very hard situation <laughs> for such Danny That's an obvious
0: H. shot at the 76ers who just lost Ben Simmons. <laughs> to Ugh, a foot injury like brutal. seriously what kind of a hex every big man that they draft is Truly. coming with some sort of an injury that's going to have to be rehabbed i mean yeah. i think ben simmons will see the floor this year but almost you gotta wonder like do they need to rip up the practice floor and you know the stadium floor out there in philadelphia and just lay down some extra padding or something like yeah. what is going on that's call, causing these injuries. You know, if it was the Boston Celtics having this problem, just imagine oh. how much uh, uh, how much would be placed on the training staff and the doctor. You know, oh, Celtics goodness. fans just love to to blast Brian uh, or no uh, McKean, right? Brian, is yeah, it Brian McKean. McKean? I can't remember who the team yeah, doctor McKean. is, but yeah, but you know what I mean. They just love to jump on the the training and and medical staff bandwagon and slam them. You know, maybe arbitrarily is is how I've always felt about it. But yeah. Larry H. Russell loves to to throw some bombs at at the training staff. But I will say that for me, I I, I just think this would be like a nightmare of epic proportions in the Boston media. Yeah.
1: Oh, number one draft pick. You know, after, you know, really, this is the first time we're going to see Joel Embiid for the first time play an NBA sort of game on Tuesday night against the Celtics, which should be exciting. Barring, you know, another broken foot. You know oh, that, and
0: real quick, yeah. I will be hosting the post-game show, the first post-game show of the season. So make sure you go to clnsradio.com and find the link for that immediately after the game. And we do have a—let's just do a couple of quick announcements because the other thing that came out this week was that we are going to be working in the first ever of its kind— for our post-game show to be broadcast on Terrestrial Radio. We're working with ESPN New Hampshire on that. There will be a select number of post-game shows that will be hosted online, as we do every year with the post-game shows here on CLNS Radio. But then they are going to be broadcast in a partnership out over the terrestrial airwaves, Really, this is the first of its kind, really cutting-edge stuff, and just a huge thanks to everybody over at ESPN New Hampshire, notwithstanding Patrick Gilroy, who was really the glue that brought all of this together and will be featured prominently in the post-game show, so just a big thanks to to Patrick and the ESPN New Hampshire staff, as well as Nick Gelso and everybody here at CLNS Radio that's been working on it, but I think that is a really excellent announcement for this season. And as I mentioned, I will be hosting our very first, it won't be over terrestrial radio, but our very first post-game show of the year, first game of preseason against Philadelphia. I will be co-hosting. And a reminder real quick to follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter. At CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your hosts. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin, as well as John, who is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS radio network at CLNS Radio. The Facebook page, Facebook.com back forward slash CLNS fans. Don't forget to download our app for Android and iOS. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app, Marketplace. Lots of great content there, including the Bobcast from Bobby Manning, who was the inspiration for our off-season interview series, which is wrapping up. But we had Chad Finn last Thursday. Eric Weiss of Draft Express and Sports Aptitude coming up this Thursday. Should be hearing from Mark Spears the following Thursday. And then we're going to close it out uh, during the preseason with a replay of an interview with Earl Lloyd that Mark Spears helped us secure a number of years ago. And finally... CLNS Radio's YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash CLNS Radio, and it's all starting back up again. High-definition, high definition, full-length locker room interviews, and the Garden Report with Jared Weiss. Last programming announcement with this, Jared Weiss filling in for Larry H. Russell on Celtics beat. You absolutely have to listen to his interview with uh, Marcus Smart from I think it was from open practice, but either way, got into a lot of the details about how Marcus has been working on improving his shot, not gathering so much lower, all that wasted energy, getting the timing improved. Talked a little bit about the stats versus how he shot off the dribble on catch and shoot, and the the, the statistical variation there and what he's doing to improve it. So just a great interview, and really, John, you and I have been predicting this leap year for and it's funny it's a leap year but we've been predicting this leap year for Marcus Smart since yep. last February January when the yep. snow day ironically another Philadelphia connection to snow day in Philly they had a game off he went in worked on his shot and came out on fire not for the entire rest of the season for a decent amount but we could we saw what he could do with some reps and some extra work and he really focused it on it focused on it this off season, his first off season that he's been fully healthy in the NBA. You and I have been predicting this, and I'm feeling good about it. I don't know about you.
1: I feel great about it. My goodness. I mean if if that if that you know exhibition or, or i guess open practice is what you'd call it that if that open practice is any sort of inclination as to what direction this is going to go this year for his shooting then you and i are are just ge- geniuses we're brilliant we're really brilliant because the,
0: <laughs> i like that, the sound of that i'm not going to lie
1: all right who's going who's going who's going to disagree with that uh <laughs> Maybe our wives? Uh, anyway, so I think that there's... A- <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> Probably that would be where we go.
0: Let's not get them together anytime no. soon. No,
1: no, absolutely not. You know? <laughs> this is why we live is a substantial distance apart because you know just the cross pollination would be terrible. It's like George yeah, had moving. Two worlds.
0: It, it, was, worlds it, it was it was a matter of survival. I had to move to Pennsylvania.
1: Absolutely. Get you were only an hour away. It could have it could have been disastrous for the show. Uh anyway, so <laughs> the uh smart is <laughs> if he can hit that shot, I mean what are you gonna do? And I mean, I, mean I, I really think that He's if he can play off that and, and really be able to become somebody who can put the ball on the floor, make someone at least respect his shot, I think maybe more of that, you know, game of the line thing will, will be a bigger deal for him. But if he's playing off the ball, he's gonna have to hit that shot. So that's that's the downside of Thierry Rosier's kind of emergence as a player in this offense and as a guy who's gonna have the ball in his hands. I mean, obviously he's devastating on the drive, but that means that Smart's going to be is not going to have that responsibility, so he's going to have to make that leap uh, in terms of his shooting. That's just how he's going to stay on the floor.
0: But he was and... the worst player in the NBA from beyond the arc Absolutely. last season. So sure. let's look at it this way: he can only go up. And one of the great <laughs> things about Al Horford is the fact that that will probably he will stretch the floor in a way that they were not able to do last year. And while they got away with it on the regular the season, the Atlanta was totally able to capitalize on the postseason. I mean, never mind the fact that Kelly olinick and Jay Crowder, who were both key cogs in spreading the floor last year, and defensively, Jay Crowder's impact put that aside. It was that made it worse, and it, it really exploited their issues with shooting the ball. But Al Horford is going to help correct big parts of that, and I think what you're going to see is more time for the perimeter players, who maybe you know, like we said, Avery Bradley is an average three-point shooter, but he's the best one by far on this team. Kelly Olynyk obviously led the team, but we need to see him do it for an entire season and stay healthy. But those two players, really the, the best three-point shooters that the Celtics had, the other teams were able to game plan against it. But by having Al Horford spread the floor, initiate some of the offense, pull out the defense, they'll be able to work that inside-out game. And I think some of these subpar three-point shooters – are going to find a little bit more time and a little bit more room to shoot. And it could have a dramatic impact on not just Marcus Smarts, but the entire team's ability to shoot from beyond the arc.
1: Yeah, I I, and I hope you're right about that, because that that really is, is a bit of a game-changer for the fans. I mean, they're going to have, the, you know, they were an okay offensive team. In fact, near the end of the season, they really made a, a solid jump upwards. Um, in terms of their offensive efficiency now if they start making shots then they're going to be nearing average above average uh, in terms of the rankings uh, for the entire league and if they can keep their defense at that level then they're assuredly going to be in that number two spot in the east battling with with uh, Cleveland who I think will probably take a a much more laissez-faire attitude with the regular season kind of a la what San Antonio has done in years past. I suspect we're not going to see I, I think LeBron is going to have a significantly curtailed schedule. And so not that you want to put yourself in a situation where you're going, you know, balls to the wall here to get, uh, you know, to beat out Cleveland for the number one seed. But I could see it cl- being closer than people suspect. Um, remember here, and, and <laughs> remember here, one injury one big injury is all it would take for the celtics to be a favorite over cleveland i believe
0: this really is your you've, you've is been championing pet. this two this consecutive <laughs> shows but you're I'm right
1: on this one. i'll be hammering keep hammering until these games start
0: Justin. you're putting the hex on lebron james that's just all it oh, is sorry. you're just hammering on that so we can go play golden state and uh newfound enemy Kevin Durant in the NBA <laughs> finals, which I am all for The drama will you know. be great. The sweep will hurt, but the drama will be great. And real quick, Just got to let you know that the show this week has been brought to you by FanEssentials.net. How would you like to get all of your favorite NBA teams merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Check out FanEssentials.net. All you do is pick your favorite sports team, and every month you get team gear shipped right to your door. They find the sports gear so you don't have to, and each fan box comes fully packed with some amazing gear. It's a great gift idea for any sports fan with prices starting at just $34.99. You, by supporting Celtic Stuff Live, will save 30% on the first month of your subscription, all you have to do is use promo code CSL2016 at the checkout go to fanessentials.net to get all the essentials that you need and hey guess what another great deal for you listeners we're giving away a free month of fan essentials each week to our listeners all you have to do is retweet our show announcement with the hashtag fanessentials. make sure you're following at csl underscore tweet live so that we can send you a direct message with all the information you need to redeem your prize stay tuned because towards the end of the show, in the final segment, we are going to be announcing the FanEssentials.net winner for this week, who retweeted our show announcement with the hashtag FanEssentials. So, John, you're putting the hex on LeBron James, and I love it. But here's the oddity of what has happened in the NBA landscape for me. In one dramatic stroke over July 4th weekend, I went from being a supreme <laughs> LeBron James hater to all of a sudden there's a part of me that has a soft spot for LeBron James all of a sudden because now I've directed all my hatred onto a team that I thoroughly enjoyed watching last year the Golden State Warriors but because of the Kevin Durant thing now I have made this shift it's a seismic shift in the NBA landscape I now hate the Golden State Warriors and there's a part of me that is like if LeBron James does get hurt that it only increases the likelihood that they start piling championships on with Kevin Durant, which is really not what I want. What I would love to see is LeBron James go back to the finals, if the Celtics can't do it. And I'm really concerned about their ability to beat a team like the Golden State Warriors. But they're only one injury away from, from maybe the Celtics being able to get at them, depending on how the team stays healthy and develops over this year. But part of me wants to see LeBron James just take it to him again. I'm not going to lie.
1: I would love I you know <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: I, what I an don't, odd place you, to be in, right? I mean I know I you probably yeah. don't agree with me, but it, but there's a part of you that goes ah, it's sorta of hard to argue with that logic. I've just hated LeBron so long.
1: Right. Right you know, it's you know, it's there's a sense memory issue with LeBron. You hear the name and you just start your face starts to tick. And you start – you know, you, you're kind of – a scowl forms over your face, you know. I, I think that's just – you know, it's been ingrained us, you know, for really since 2008, you know, when, when they really first went – even before that, actually. I feel like I you should know,
0: issue an official apology to Paul Pierce, right?
1: Right. I think I think you owe him big time, you know, because, you know, the – there's a lot of there's a lot of you know I think there's a respect there certainly but but there's some some bad uh there was some bad blood there and it was fun but no you're right I I think that there is a newfound perhaps respect I think I think it's respect he went up certainly another notch in my mind in terms of a guy who took a rough situation you know that he was going into and and took took that and and really beat you know the 73 win uh, you know, <laughs> monster beat them, kicked them in the face, and 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 pulled out the win. But it's not like Cleveland had like no no team. I mean, they they had they had talent on that team. Um, I think that the thing that that really is as you're, as he's entering this season, you know, it's kind of with Tim Duncan walking away. Is he the only guy that stands between this this new hated you know super team? Is that the only thing that stops them from winning again? And maybe, but there's always surprises. There's always surprises. You wouldn't put it past Pop. Who knows? The Celtics were able to the beat the surprise
0: being last, last year when year. you never would have thought Cleveland could have beat them without Kevin Durant.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna wait and see. I'm not. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not ready to jump in bed with with LeBron James as of yet. Uh, but I think that there, you know, there is. If we get to that point, I think personally. I'm at the point right now where I want to take Cleveland down as much as I can. I think the more, the, the further the Celtics get this year, it, they're going to free agency with, with that, that chip on their shoulder and, and able to say, Hey, look, look what we've we done without really a, a legitimate go-to score outside of Isaiah Thomas. You know, they've, they're, they're basically doing it on defense and a whole lot of gumption and guile. That's about it, man. So you got to give them credit they do have some stars if they get that one guy a paul george um uh you know a kevin durant uh and i'm the talking to guy
0: the, the difference
1: ta- maker right, the go to guy the the MVP caliber player. They don't have that guy on the roster. No matter what you say about, uh, Isaiah Thomas, and I don't think that's a, a slight against him in any way to say it, he's not an MVP caliber guy. He's an all star. He's, he's a talented guy. He's a guy who could be, um, maybe even all NBA. And maybe that's within his, uh, it'd be tough, but top six, you know, guard in the league, it's possible, um, outside chance, but, but possible. So I, I'm just saying, I'm all about getting Cleveland. I'm focusing on Cleveland. I'm not even going to care what's happening in the West right now. I'm focused on I want to beat Cleveland. As you should be. But I'll tell you what, my focus. That's history
0: talking too. Yeah, well, my focus is all about the Toronto Raptors. I want that number two (laughs) spot. I'll even concede Cleveland, and then if the injury happens, you know that's a, a stroke of bad luck for Cleveland and a stroke of great luck for the Celtics. But here's the deal. If they can't outplay Toronto, it doesn't even matter that that big injury happened to Cleveland because it doesn't benefit the Celtics. It benefits Toronto if they're the better team. So we have to see the Celtics establish themselves fully in that number two slot. And the other reason is there's been not a lot of love for Jared Sullinger out of our camp here at Celtic Stuff Live. And supposedly he's dropped 40 pounds and I saw a tweet from John Corrales at Red's Army, which I thought was a good one, which is, hey, don't worry, the ex-girlfriend always loses weight, but they ultimately return, you know, and you know what, that's the truth for men too. Men drop the pounds like crazy after a divorce. They're so used to the pasta and the good cooking and the eats and then all of a sudden, you know, they're beefaroni out of a can in their apartment and and they drop a ton of pounds. It happens to everybody after the breakup. And it happened to Jared Sullinger, maybe. I saw a nice block in the first game of the season. The Toronto Raptors wind up taking down Golden State just so that we, you know, put tie all of these stories together. But their first games of the preseason, obviously Golden State's still ironing out the kinks and it's a preseason game. It's not. It's not regular season. You can only take that so far. But I will say... There was a nice block. Jared Sullinger seemed to have some ups around the rim, and he still collected his ten rebounds, which you know you're going to get out of him. And I expect him to perform well uh, to a point. His limitations are still there with shooting, spacing the floor. DeMar DeRozan is not a shooter. He's much more the ilk of a of a Jimmy Butler, where he doesn't have that outside shot. He's a Dwayne Wade that's going to attack the basket. Jared Sullinger can hit that one or two step inside the three-point line shot, but he doesn't really space things out. That's something that that team desperately needs to take more advantage of DeMar DeRozan to space the floor and create lanes for him to drive to the hoop. But I would love nothing more than to see the Celtics just take a whipping to the Raptors. Because if you remember last year, we won one game against Toronto, but that was a fluke. They owned the Celtics in head-to-head matchups last year.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm very much not a huge fan of <laughs> the Toronto Raptors, and just seeing <laughs> Jared Stellinger move over there was all I needed to renew that passion and dislike. Um, that there were some some pretty chippy games between those two teams, and I think the Celtics should feel. Uh, pretty embarrassed generally about their efforts against them last year. I really was un- unimpressed with the way the Celtics played in most of those games, particularly early in the season where, you know, I think the Celtics were should have had at least should, well, they should have had them on the dartboard as a team that was uh, more than likely uh, going to be, you know, their competition for the Atlantic division crown and, and certainly ahead of them in the Eastern conference standings. And, they really came out flat, really didn't bring the energy. I'm hoping the addition of, of an additional wing uh, defender in Jalen Brown, uh, the emergence of Terry Rozier will will have some, some impact because they had a really hard time. Forget about stopping DeMar DeRozan and, and Kyle Lowry, but um, you know, really stopping a lot of their guards, Corey Joseph. And I mean, on and on, and on we go. So, that is really going to be. I think you're right. I think in the early season, those games are the ones I'm watching. They're, you know, where do they stack up against Toronto. Because I think you're right. There's, there's a bit of a. Oh, well, they're only looking at Cleveland. And Jay Crowder even said it. Um, there, you know, we're, we we're, our eyes are on Cleveland, which I think they rightly should be. But they've got to do their, they got to take care of business against Toronto. And I'm sure Toronto feels a bit disrespected. Jared Sullinger should feel disrespected. But Jay quite Carter frankly, put Jared it out Sullinger there and
0: disrespected them. He did. So he did. they are absolutely feeling that way. And hopefully, this is what I really love. I love chippy basketball. And I'm really hoping that all four matchups against the Raptors are incredibly chippy this year.
1: If Jared Sullinger is you know Jared Sullinger should feel slighted, and we we get that. But Jared Sullinger should have taken care of his business when he was uh, a player here, when he was under contract, when he
0: had all the opportunity in the world that all now lost to him here. You're right; he should have yeah. respected the franchise that picked and, him up after he sort of made his did his own deed in, in falling in right. draft stock just by that same issues with conditioning leaving him to be injured and you know what so many topics so little time I what? love preseason the hype machine is on um, I want to hit one more thing because you talked about the go-to scorer, and I want to do this before we go to break and then the final segment but Kevin Garnett announces retirement and there were some really nice tributes out there and I love what Danny Ainge said about Him impacting the Celtics franchise as much as any player in history could impact the franchise. It It was good. Yeah, I'm sure there's a little bit of, you know, puff up on that. But at the same time, Kevin was a very unique personality. But at the same time that he announces retirement, Paul Pierce goes on the Players' Tribune. And says, this is going to be my last year. I knew he was not going to retire with Kobe Bryant the same year. It was so obvious that wasn't going to happen. But now Paul Pierce is going to go on tour for the rest of the year. And maybe not to the same level of um, fanfare as Kobe Bryant. But certainly a player that has made a name for himself for hitting clutch shots. Especially later in his career as the Big 3 went on to win a championship in their first season together here in Boston. But... A huge goodbye to Paul Pierce would be so awesome if Doc Rivers just wound up getting smoked and the Clippers fell out of contention and then at the trade deadline he does a solid and trades Paul Pierce to the Celtics and Paul comes off the bench just a little bit to ride out the year. I would love to I know it's not going to happen John and I've heard that you know Jay and and John over on on the Locked On Locked On Celtics podcast talk about maybe he could come back the next year in training camp and suit up for a game and then they retire My dream is that Paul Pierce comes back over and finishes out this season with the Celtics. That would be an ideal way. And I know it's a long shot, and I get it. And maybe there's no room for him on this roster anymore with Jalen Brown needing to develop and Jay Crowder having established himself. But, you know, Paul could play a decent amount of power forward as well in a small ball lineup. And while we have Al Horford, it's not like that front court for the Celtics is totally solidified. I could see him carving out, you know, 8 to 10 minutes a game and just helping the crowd get into it even more crazy than they do for the team that's already here.
1: That would be that would be my my dream. Uh I, you know, look, the Celtics need to clear up some roster spots. I'm not sure that Paul Pierce is going to be in Doc Rivers, you know, his I'm not sure he's, not in, sure his, he's in the his rotation. Yep, I agree. Yeah. So if that's the case, then we solve a problem. They solve a problem. You know, I floated out there the James Young, R.J. Hunter for Pierce thing. Now, that's not a that's not a real rumor. That's just me playing with the trade nah, machine. Good but... riddance
0: to R.J. Hunter, in my opinion. I mean, he's well, a nice kid, and I'm not trying to be nasty about it. Right, but he's not right. going to make it.
1: It seems it it seems like he's he's struggling right now. And and James Young had it. You know, here we are. In, in that's Europe. where I was
0: going to go. James Young is you smoking know. him.
1: He's 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 starting to, to play like he really should have his first year. um. But yeah, you're right. And and so but let's say you take those two guys that clears up some room. You're still going to cut more guys. I mean, this is this is this is going to be an unbelievable. It's going to be very tough to get a sense of some of these some of these players because I'm, the preseason games should be interesting this week as we start seeing playing against uh, Philly. You know, I'd love to see him break break up some of that and bring Paul Pierce in right now. Uh, but you're right. If if he's really so far out of the rotation, Doc has pledged that he and Danny had work something out. I don't know what the heck that means, but um, maybe there's a, a a piece of this that uh, that they can do. That you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it would work, but it that would be nice. I heard John and Jay's suggestion. I don't know. A preseason game just seems.
0: It's, it's almost know. like it's not it's up a to little what much. he deserves. I agree. And you know yeah. what? We'll talk about this as the season goes on. But while we're dreaming a little bit about meshing old and new and, and you know, going into the postseason with some depth. Don't rule out Kevin Garnett returning to a team. Would be great if it was the Celtics. But don't rule out the P.J. Brown, sit out the whole first two-thirds of the season, stay in conditioning, and then appear uh, for the uh, stretch run after the All-Star break and into the postseason. You know, they, only, I, they have a plenty of time to sign in those final you know, month, month and a half of the season and still be eligible for the postseason roster I can totally see that happening if the Celtics make some sort of a consolidation trade like the one you're talking a little bit with Paul Pierce but when they take some of this young talent if they do make a consol you know they do consolidate the roster in, in, in trade like that there would be some roster spots open they're typically occupied by veterans if you want to make some noise in the postseason veterans that maybe aren't up to play in 30, nights, 30 minutes a game, but are able to contribute 8 to 10 solid, dependable minutes off the bench, don't rule it out. And we're going to come back. We've got about 10 minutes left in the show, and John, I'll give you an opportunity to fire back on that one if you want. But first, we're going to hear from Audible.com, our newest sponsor. All right, John, we're back. I I put a teaser there before uh, a word from our our newest sponsor, Audible.com. Com, definitely go over and check out audible and take care uh take advantage of our offering to all of you listeners today john i don't know if you want to rebut on kevin on the kevin garnett comment or not but certainly feel free and then i think we have to talk a little bit about kelly Olynyk and jalen brown before we close out the show
1: uh, yeah i don't think i just don't i don't think he's coming back i i think it's done i think he's over i think he'll he'll walk the earth like uh, the guy in Kung Fu came, I think he'll he'll walk the earth finding young big men to tutor. But I don't think he'll want to play. I, I think it'll be hard. I think he'll if he's going to play, he's going to want to play a role, play be a, a contributor. I don't see him wanting to play the Jack Haley, um, you know, ML Carr into the bench in '85 type deal. He, he's not going to want to be that guy. He's going to want to be. A Has part Has he really already been
0: that guy in Minnesota? Last yeah, season. but
1: they aren't winning, though. Like, th- that was part of his contract. You know what I mean? Like, it was I- – I feel like that's that's kind of – he was doing that, but it was a very defined role. I don't – you know, are you going to add – I mean, unless he's going to play, let's say you're, you're – probably the best Probably opportunity for him is probably the Clippers, right? So It
0: seems that way. He's going to practices and – Yeah, he he lives out in L.A.
1: Right. I mean, you know, he's got the place in Malibu and the whole thing. But I just, you know, is he going to want to sit at the end of the bench next to Pierce and talk about the good old days and maybe take up a roster spot? See, the problem is, is that so much of that part of the league has gone away. It's really hard. And you and I were talking about this right before we started the show. You've got you've got Kendrick Perkins out there. Kendrick who's significantly younger certainly than than KG is. 31, 32 I think. Yeah, but the game's uh, passed him by. Game's passed him by part of it is his ability, you know, his abilities and and his skill set, but also it's really hard to get veterans at the end of the bench now teams want to have those spots go to guys who are playing the d league and try to develop and find the next guy who's going to make the leap the you know the next chris middleton the next hassan whiteside they want to use those those rots for development as opposed to bringing in veterans now doc is probably an exception to that although he started to skew younger here in this offseason so it could have happened. Possibly. I, I'm just I'm I'm looking at it as a little bit more doubtful. than. But we that already might have, have those positions go.
0: taken up by players drafted in the first round that are in that development slot that are still going down to the D-League and playing like a James Young. I agree with you, but I think there's when you already have a unique situation like the Celtics with so much youth that needs to be developed. It's great to try and find the next D-League superstar that's going to be able to come up, but that's because the other teams don't have the dearth of draft picks. This is going to start all over again next year when the Celtics make their Brooklyn Nets pick after the swap, and they have another young player. There's just only so much development that can be done, and I almost think that the Clippers should be going the way that Kendrick Perkins talked about on the podcast with Woj that you just sort of summed up really well, But the Celtics should be going and trying to get some additional veterans to help players, you know, know what to do in the postseason and know and have scouted all those players, that extra coach on the bench. But we'll see. I mean, it's preseason. We have no idea where this team is going to be in the standings come February and that all star break. And we have no idea if they're going to be able to make a trade. And I will also say that while there's a lot of fanfare, there's a lot of hype, we're all very excited about you know Marcus Smart's development and Terry Rozier we haven't seen him play night in and night out yet it's just what we've had glimpses glimpses of and there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful about that backcourt the front court has been stabilized by Al Horford but there's still a lot of questions over there and that's why I got to bring up Kelly Olynyk because it doesn't look like he's really going to be out there playing with the team until basically the end of training camp before he can take on contact. He's going to be rusty, even in terms of conditioning. I know he's shooting, and he'll be able to have his stroke probably all sweetened out. But the truth is, he's not going to be in game shape to start game shape to start the year. One of the things that came up in Chris Forsberg's summer forecast was, you know, who's going to be starting in that front court and I I put all of the odds on Al Horford and Amir Johnson, and mostly because I felt like last year the Celtics came out of the gate and they didn't have a rotation established. They really should do something as close as possible to what they ran out there most of last year. Al Horford will be as good as Jared Sullinger by by the start of the season in terms of knowing the rotations, knowing his role, being able to read and react on the floor. I think all that's going to be no problem. But I think they've got to leave Amir Johnson to start out because the defense is so integral to what they're trying to do. And they can get a lot of buckets off turnovers, creating turnovers with that defense. Now, I'm not saying... And I know this is one of your favorites. I think you would love to see O'Linick and Horford in the starting lineup and really space the hell out of the floor. And I'm in agreement. Mm-hmm. But I think to start the season now, that question is really not a question. There's no way yep. Kelly Olenek is in the starting lineup at the beginning of the year.
1: Yeah. I, no, I, I, I'm i walking that back. I, I think you're right. I think that they're, it makes a lot more sense to go with Amir right now at least to start. If things change and things usually do through the course of the season, you can adjust on the fly. If he's healthier, or if he's able to perhaps board a little bit better, I think it will. I think that you know there's room for Kelly to make that upward mobility because he will have a spot in the rotation, and I don't I don't think that Amir's uh, stranglehold on that second. You know, forward or the second big spot is, is really locked down at, by any stretch. Uh, and injuries will probably necessitate a change to that lineup uh, from time to time. The other thing I'd add about that, too, in, in looking the the projections, I suppose, for Al Horford. Al Horford was a great rebounder. Not a good rebounder. He was a great rebounder. You go back to from basically oh seven oh eight, his first season, you know, that playoff season that he that they played against the 08 Celtics really gave a bit of a run the big reason for that was Al Horford it wasn't Joe Johnson it wasn't Josh Childress it was Al Horford that was really driving that and his rebound his defensive rebound it was a real struggle and his mobility was a real struggle for Perk and, and for KG i think that Horford's he's getting knocked down a bit and and this is where Sellinger was given a great deal of of love by the folks in the analytics community is because he's such a good defensive rebounder, but the thing that the defensive th- those metrics don't take into consideration is scheme, and the scheme that bud Budenholzer put into, into, into place pulled Horford from the basket and prevented him from being in those defensive rebounding situations. if Horford is being slotted in the same style as as uh, we saw from Sollinger – Horford is once again going to be back in those spots, and so I think he could once a, horford could once again become a darling of the analytics community. not only is he is he a, a good passer, just as you had said early on, but he doesn't turn over the basketball, so he's one he's he's getting you those boards, he's making good passes, and he's not giving it up and not to mention his shooting, not to mention all the other things we've talked about in leadership, I think you know there's been some that have said well it's going to be a it, it could be a wash in terms of the statistical impact of Al Horford, I think it's going to be much bigger than people are are anticipating right now.
0: Well, and rebounding is, because of the way the game has gotten inverted and big men are playing away from the basket, you you see these double-digit rebound guys less and less in the league, and it's almost like nobody is recognizing what's happening on the floor. You brought up a great point about scheme. So I think Al Horford can get the rebounds that Jared Sullinger got. The question is, is that really what Brad Stevens wants? Even the offensive boards, if they wanted to leave the players there to attack the rim and try to create second chance opportunities, they could. But even back to Doc's tenure here, that's never been a strategy with this club. The Celtics get back on defense. Um, They're not looking for those offensive rebounds. They want stops. They want to control the pace of the game. And they've had a lot of success at it and the talent that they have out there. But even look at guard rebounding. Remember, Rondo was a very good rebounder with Mm -hmm. the Celtics. You look at Paul Pierce, also a very above average rebounder for the small forward position. Position. Some of it is, again, because they've always, Doc used to love to use cutters, pull the bigs as far away from the basket as possible, send in some cutters. We never saw a rebounding fall on the shoulders of just one player. And I almost think that Jared Sullinger, and in a way, I know this could sound funny, and, and maybe I'm going way off base here. But part of the issue with Jared Seliger's rebounding numbers was because he had to contribute there. You've heard so many players like Jay Crowder (laughs) talking about young guys coming onto the team, and especially in reference to Jalen Brown. And they're like, find something that you do well, specialize it, and do that well, and then build off of that. Well, guess what? Jared Seliger could rebound. He's got a wide body, and he did a great job. But because he couldn't do all the other things, he had to do that really well. I don't think that we can judge Al Horford's performance on the floor by a simple statistic like rebounding. And I know that's why we have all these advanced analytics, and I want to take them with a grain of salt as well. You know, every stat can be used for whatever story you're trying to tell about a player. But I just wonder about Jared Solander. His game was limited enough that he had to give him 10 rebounds a game. They weren't getting him from anywhere else. And I think it actually might have held the teams back a little bit in terms of all the flexibility that they could have been um you know working into the offensive schemes and defensive schemes, and I think that Al Horford has that flexibility, and so if he's only averaging six and a half rebounds a game, I'm not going to have a whole bunch of tears about it
1: Mhm, yeah, no, I, you know I agree with you I think that there's there's more than enough there to add to the mix, but if he does add that, then not only is he an unquestioned all star but he's become the type of player that you really—he's <laughs> indispensable to your team to an even greater degree. I mean, if you're just figuring out those calculations based upon what's there, and like you said, it's—you it, can make them, you can make your numbers figure any way you want to, uh, or how you figure your numbers. But I think that there is. an opportunity here for Horford to maybe take an even greater leap than what some are are saying. And what I think is a really shallow analysis of his ability, forgetting for a fact that that really what Atlanta was doing was, was not what, what he'll be asked to do here. So hopefully, and and I, and I truthfully believe that this will happen. They're going to give him a lot more leeway to, to attack the rim, Pull those boards off, make the long, you know, the long up quick uh, outlet pass, and you know, start the break. I think that's going to be a, a huge, a huge benefit. Offensive rebounding, I don't get so so banged up about. I mean, that's that, and that is one that the analytics folks do love. Um, I'd love to see the the, the guards crashing the boards, and that's where our, our my my comparison there with Tony Allen and, and Jalen Brown really could have some real some real head, you know real headway there because that's an opportunity i think for him to make a real good impact if we're going to pull those bigs back and protect the bucket that's an opportunity for for jalen brown to crash and and get some easy buckets by by uh you know attacking the rim off of misses and and grabbing those caroms
0: all right so as we wrap the show you brought up jalen brown you know, I'm a big supporter. I'm rooting for him. Seems like he's humble yet confident. He's really from a from an attitude standpoint. I'm not saying it has anything to do with what he's going to provide on the floor, but it has to it has to be noticed and it has to be said that he's already looking the consummate professional and he's willing to take it in. He's got the advantage of not having to be thrust out there and maybe break his foot because he's going to be the guy that's supposed to carry the team to the promised land and, and finally come out of, uh, you know, the tanking seasons. But but let's talk about this for real. At the end of the day, this kid has an opportunity, I think, to play quite a bit. And it's because of what you just said about Al Horford. I think he's going to get a ton of buckets in transition. His ball handling skills is good, so if he does get out on the break, he's gonna have an enormous opportunity to attack the rim he's gonna to go to the free throw line and i'm gonna sit back i'm gonna to try to stay tempered all right i'm gonna to try to be metered in my my jalen brown love but i but you gotta you gotta come clean with me, John, based on how you felt at the draft when I was calling for this kid to be the pick, not chris Dunn, not dragon Bender. To now, and, and how you felt about it that night to where we are today, you can't tell me you're not optimistic about Jalen Brown actually being able to contribute somewhat this season. I, uh,
1: well, before I answer that, humble yet confident. I love that. <laughs> he's, he's a gentle lover. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I love it. I love it. He's humble yet confident. I know. I I I don't want to. I haven't uh, run tail between the legs. I love it. This
0: is going to be the new Rondo with our roles on reversed.
1: <clears throat> well, come on, he's you know. I, I, no, I think that he's he's going to be a good player. I did turn on it. I turned around on this on the pick on summer league. Do you remember? We did have some shows around summer league, and I and I did you know come I'm around. Just pushing and you, say, that's
0: all, buddy. I'm just pushing you.
1: I know you are. I know. No, he, look, he he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a good player. Will he be a star? Will he be, you know, this, this, you know, will he be a third pick caliber star of, you know, third picks and past? A Bosch, uh, uh, you know, a Carmelo Anthony? Probably not, but could he be a really good pro? Oh, I'm not yeah. buying that. I think he could be I, I, a star. Oh, well, of course, you know. I mean, know, I always
0: have, but I he, I really if believe he can it. Can he
1: make his shots? The, the whole thing to me is can he make his jump shot? if he can make his jump shot and i'm not talking about the 30 20 it's feet just a, right it's now. i'm talking to me about that you have so can much he confidence make confidence
0: in Marcus smart making his shot and yet you're going to just dig your heels in like everybody else who was down on jalen brown and go okay prove it to me
1: well i look he's got he has to i mean he when he came out statistically he was like the 100th worst uh, the
0: 100th best player Marcus in the draft smart was the worst right? three point shooting person in the entire NBA last season, and yet we've been calling for this breakout season, and he's a star, and you would trade Avery Bradley over Marcus Smart. And yet this one thing in Jalen Brown at the very start of his career, not three years in, at the very start of his career based on college performance, and you've already said this kid can't be a star, and we'll see what he does with his shot.
1: His college career statistically was so bad. That you have to at least account for that and say, you know, look, a hundredth best player in the draft. That's not great. That's not a good, a good, a good entrance. Now, were there are there reasons for that? Are there, you know, there, you know, yes, the team was terrible. It was a bad mix. Blah 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 blah. But. See, I just totally you know, He's gotta prove it. Him. He's gotta prove it against against pros. When when Marcus Smart was a a monster statistically against college kids, he came into the league and he couldn't make a shot. So let's see let's see how Jalen does against pros, and then we'll judge him on that. That's
0: all I'm I'm just taking it uh, away. That's see fine. Those, that's wait fine. Wait and see. But Jaylen Brown see. and Marcus Smart are cut from the same mold, and they are absolutely the future of the Boston Celtics organization, in my opinion. And not in an Al Jefferson, Delonte West kind of way. I'm talking talking like a Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook kind of way. Those two guys are going to find so much success in defense tenacity, and I think they're both going to improve their shooting enough for the way that this league is played nowadays that they're going to have an enormous amount of success for now – And in the future. And I think Terry Rozier might be playing into that as well. And we are looking five years down the road. But let's just say this as we wrap the show. To be continued. Because this conversation is only getting started thanks to the fact that training camp is underway. I look forward to more of these debates, John. And a reminder to everybody listening, this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin or my co-host here, John, at CSL underscore Duke. Thanking everybody for tuning in and a reminder to support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd really love it if you gave us a rating and a review because we want your feedback. And it helps promote the show as well to everybody out there who's listening. We're definitely one of the top-rated uh, on iTunes for Celtics Podcast. A reminder that today's show is brought to you by Audible and FanEssentials.net. They have a great deal for all of you, but most importantly, you would be supporting Celtics Stuff Live in the entire CLNS Radio Network. Thanks to the loyal CLNS Radio audience who makes it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poolin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
1: Celtic Stuff Live.